Are you ready? Starting now? <laughs> well, now you just messed it up, you knob. God, you know that the shit that we go through for this, huh? I know. <laughs> fuckers, fuckers better appreciate it. When we started, we were just like, yeah, we're just going to do this, man. You know, shoot our wad into the wind and see what happens. <laughs> What's right. the title of this uh, podcast again? I don't know. Objects, I don't know. Something with a penis, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> our fucking faces are everywhere now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but You're but welcome, ladies. <laughs> right. Popular with the ladies. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm not even going to apologize because I hopefully, hopefully it sounds <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, really? totally. this is this is fucking explicit now. <laughs> ah, the explicit button. Let me use my finger. <sighs> la, 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 la. It is time for another episode of Sober, Not Mature. And that episode starts now. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of Sober, Not Mature. And hopefully everyone's been paying attention. We do have a guest tonight. We have Coach David with us. And uh, I'll let him introduce himself and we'll get into the full thing here in a minute. But uh, David, why don't you go ahead and at least introduce yourself first and then uh, we'll go over a couple of things to get started, okay? Well, I'm Coach David J. Greer. So that's part of what I do professionally. Um, I'm also, I'm an alcoholic and I've been in recovery for over 14 years. And one of the things I do is specialize in working with entrepreneurs who are challenged by uh, alcoholism or addiction. Cool. Wonderful. Yeah. And welcome. Yeah. And, uh, and you had reached out to us, gosh, I think it was, and we've had a couple of guests on recently where it's been, it's been a couple of months before we could get somebody on either based on their schedule or thankfully you know we've had we've had either guest booked or or things going on which is uh you know certainly a good problem to have um, but i know you reached out to us and you know the couple of things that you and i had messaged back and forth about who you were what you do and it sounded like you've got uh at least a similar background, you know, to, to what we have. Um, it sounds like a little bit of AA based. You've been sober for 14 years. We've been sober a little over 13. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a, it seemed to be a nice combination. So I know we want to talk about obviously the sobriety end of things we want to talk about, or let you talk about your coaching, um, both if you're doing, you know, any type of sober coaching your entrepreneur type of stuff, anything that, that you want to talk about, we want to be able to get it out there for everyone who listens. And also, you know, of course, for your benefit, but, um, we were talking a little bit be, beforehand about, uh, and Mike and I laughed when I said the word format, <laughs> um, but, uh, we really don't have a, a format, uh, maybe, uh, guidelines of sorts. Would that be a better way to put it, Mike? <laughs> yeah. You know, we have a conversation. We talk about sobriety and shoot the shit and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Um, you know, but uh, the, the guideline, ooh, there's my first air quote of the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> the guideline is basically we know how to get fucked up. We know how to ruin our lives. We know how to ruin everybody's life around us. We know how to do that. We know what that's about. None of us are unique. None of us are all that special. You know, we know that stuff. What we're concerned about is the solution. 
How do we stay sober today? How did we get sober? That kind of stuff. You know, so we don't want a huge drunk log, but we do want to know where you come from. So with that, we're going to let you go, David. <laughs> Easy okay, enough. So, you know, I, if in doubt in my 12-step program of recovery, it's, you know, what happened, you know, what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. Perfect. Um, and, you know, so what happened, you know, or, you know, I started at the beginning, so I grew up in, I, I was adopted in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And that, that's an important part of my story, my, my recovery story. Um, and, you know, upper middle class family, uh, my parents, I don't think are alcoholics, but they did, were daily drinkers. You know, dad, came, dad had his own business, uh, which my grandfather started. He came home, you know, had a scotch and soda and poured a gin and tonic for my mom. And that's how they, you know. Um, quieted down at the end of the, in the transition from the business day to, you know, dinner and evening. So apparently they could do that. Yes. And they could have just one. <laughs> and they, could, they could have just one, right? Crazy. <laughs> Who are I these mean, people? <laughs> exactly. Really, really crazy. And, uh, you know, in high school, I was an academic uh, geek jock. Um, so, you know, I went to keg parties with the football team and drank after basketball games. But you know, and a lot of it was binge drinking, um, but it wasn't, you know, and then there'd be Saturday night on the weekend and then move on. Right. And I uh, uh, moved out to the coast, uh, moved from Edmonton out to Vancouver, B.C., Canada, where I am now uh, on the west coast of Canada and uh, went to university, played on the rugby team. That was another great place to hang around with people who like to drink. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard that about rugby players and yeah. like to drink a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but again, you know, it wasn't, um, wasn't really impinging on anything. Um, the story, my relationship to alcohol is very much the progressive nature of the disease. And, um, you know, I don't even know the exact time that I became pickle, but, um, um, but I, I just, I'll, I'll share this in a minute kind of where I know for sure I had become one. I just don't know how much before that it was. Um, I joined a young software startup when I was still at university and uh, I stayed with the place for 20 years, grew it into a global powerhouse. Um, part of the way I coped with stress in there eventually was, was drinking. Um, the, when my wife got pregnant with our first child, Jocelyn, um, she committed to stop drinking for the pregnancy. You know, I mean, we're both healthy people, like to live a healthy life, so um, or so I thought. Um, and anyways, that lasted for 24 hours, and then I went back to drinking, and somehow I scored it with my wife, which I still don't even know how I <laughs> made that work, right? Like, But I'm an alcoholic, so we're good at that kind of thing. Yeah, we're very pervasive, yes, yes exactly. Very, <laughs> right, we, we can explain away almost anything. <laughs> uh, and uh, then... You know, our um, two years later, she got pregnant with our son, Kevin. I didn't commit and I didn't stop drinking. Uh, I then ended up buying out one of the founders of the, uh, the company that I was with. And uh, that was so stressful. I remember I was like standing at the accountant's office um, with tears like coming down my, my face. I was so stressed. You know, I had two kids, four and two. It's about 34 years old. And I was going to have to commit to a lot of things and a lot of debt. Um, which I did. And then, but then, you know, I'd arrived like now I'm a big shot. I mean, I'm now partners with my former boss. Um, you know, I don't have to have employee reviews. Um, and the drinking just progressed and we had another child 
And, um, you know, what? so what I know is when Jocelyn came along, when Kara Lee got pregnant with Jocelyn, I was a pickle, right? I, I just don't know right. how much in front. I don't know if I was quite daily drinking by then, but probably pretty close, if if, if not. I, I probably was. I just can't remember. <laughs> um, and um, fast forward to 2001, uh, my former partner and I have a really major disagreement, and uh, we settle it by him buying me out. So I'm on the street for the first time in 20 years. My wife had sold her physiotherapy practice and uh, someone smarter than me said, David, your kids will never be 12, 10 and six again. Uh, do you need to work right away? And I'm like, no, I got a pretty good check in my jeans. I'm not done for life, but I don't have to work right away. And well, I was busy trying to chase deals. And, and uh, anyway, so we hatched a plan and we launched a sailboat in the south of France and took our three kids and homeschooled them for two years and uh, traveled more than 5,000 miles in the Mediterranean. Nice. Uh, by sailboat. <laughs> really nice. <laughs> yeah. So the Disney version of this story would be, <laughs> I arrived in the south of France, I saw God and sunshine, and I stopped drinking, and <laughs> <laughs> all is good in the world. Yeah, well, as a fellow alcoholic, I can see uh, pretty much the exact opposite of that. I'm free to do whatever the fuck I want now. <laughs> well, and, and more than that, like every place you pull up with your boat, there's like, you, you know, uh, shoreside restaurants mm -hmm. like, serving booze. And, of course. Oh, and, and booze, in, especially in the province I'm in, in British Columbia, is like really expensive, like super, super high taxes. Mm -hmm. So, oh, wine costs less than half. <laughs> you know, beer is only like two thirds. So perfect. I absolutely drank my way through the whole Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. Except, and here's where I think something was maybe talking to me a little bit. I wasn't listening, but I think it was talking to me. Mm -hmm. um, we did over 20 overnight passages um, in the two years that we sailed in the Mediterranean. And anytime we did an overnight passage, I never even thought of drinking. Like, just not at all. And some of our passages were like three days and three nights. And, you know, when like the, 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 the safety, like, and, and we're like long passages were many, many hours from land, totally out of sight of land. And, uh, you know, when the safety of my family was, was at stake, like really at stake, I didn't, I, I just didn't drink. <laughs> and uh, one of the, one of the, second or third passages we did was across the western mediterranean sea and there was actually high pressure which means no wind um so we were actually powering and uh, my son and i who was 10 at the time we went on watch at two o'clock in the morning and you know i said to him you take the left side of the boat and i'll take the right hand side and we kept confusing stars in the horizon for like ships it was so bright and the milky way was completely above us in like just a line and I always tell that story when I'm taking my cake and my 12 step program of recovery, because I, I really think the universe was trying to touch me in a deep way. And it was a very magical watch with my son. And it's a night we both really remember together. Hmm. Um, and anyways, come back from that. Um, I start doing some early stage angel investing, you know, looking at a lot of companies, joining boards of directors of startups, and I'm professionally completely unfulfilled. Um, 
drinking a ton. Um, and then I went to a training event with one of my young CEOs, uh, a guy by the name of Vern Harnish, which in some ways it doesn't matter. is a framework that I now specialize in. Um, but at the back of the room were two coaches. I went and talked to them. And one of those coaches made me more uncomfortable than I had been in years. In fact, I had tears at the corner of my eyes by just a couple of questions that he asked me. Hmm. And went home from that and I had Kevin's card next to my phone for, I don't know, probably three weeks. And every time I thought of calling him, the phone weighed oh, at least 10,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> at least. Um, and then Kevin called me. And he said, hey, I thought there was like a spark that day. Would you be interested in, you know, having me be your coach? And my belief is, is that, you know, God, the universe put Kevin in my path to get sober. And we started working together. And Kevin is an intense guy as I am. So like when you hired him at that time as your own, as your coach, your first coaching session were two eight-hour days. Wow. Like <laughs> it's... I'm that's it's typical of me. I'm all in or all out, right? There's no, there's no halfway. Mm -hmm. And so we worked together for 18. Well, we worked together for nine years, but we worked together for 18 months and I was still drinking the whole time until finally on January 26, 2009, um, a Monday night, I kind of carefully planned it, had my last, what turned out to be my last beer so far. Um, and I sent him an email for the, I would always email him the night before with the topic for the coaching call the next day. And I said, uh, the topic is uh, my drinking. And uh, the next day we had our coaching call and I um, admitted to him I had a drinking problem. And, uh, and he coached me to go to an AA meeting. Hmm. And what was fascinating is that he, for many years, has had a summer place down in Washington State. And... Um, you know, it's kind of like it's got cabins, but group fire pits and things like that. So he'd like sat around the fire a lot of nights with someone, uh, another Canadian who had a place down there who had 20 years in AA and Kevin being, he's not an alcoholic, but he's a curious, curious guy. Mm -hmm. So he talked to him a lot about it. So when I told Kevin, I had this problem, he knew exactly what to do. Nice. And... I said, I'm all in or all out. So, um, hmm. I, I had a, that was a Tuesday, January 27th, 2009. I had a, um, uh, I had an event downtown, a networking event that lasted till eight. I went and searched the, you know, online AA meetings and got a list as one does. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, at 8.30, there was going to be a meeting a quarter of a block away from the street I would naturally be driving by on the way to my home. <laughs> Coincidence or not. Just, a, just an <laughs> accident of fate. <laughs> and um, so um, I went to the meeting. And, uh, and it's in a legion, which... Uh, uh, you know, a legion is was originally founded to support uh, members of the military who retired. Sure, you know, right. To socialize and to drink, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so in this legion downstairs is a bar, and so I walk through the door, and there's the doors to the bar sometimes are closed, but that night they were like open, and there were beers on a bunch of tables, and I just stood there like a deer in the headlights. And then a couple of people went by and they, you know, they had that sixth sense that people in AA do. And they right. said, oh, if you're looking for a meeting, go down the hall and up the stairs. 
Right. <laughs> you, you look Wrong like you, room. you look like you need one. Come with me. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe you should go this way. Maybe. <laughs> and and interestingly enough, in that legion, there's twelve steps between the first floor and the second floor. Nice. Yeah. That's something very cool. we always would joke about. And um, anyways, I I went. It was a very big meeting. Probably sixty people or more. I stood in the back as one does and mm -hmm. trying to, you know, uh, I was probably years before I admitted to anyone or even myself how scared I was. Right. All right. Right. Yep. Um, and these two young women, uh, Frostine and Justine, they independent separately came out and they just talked to me and they welcomed me. And um, I ended up sitting down like, you know, there's there's a central aisle and chairs that go out from the central aisle. And I sat on an edge seat. Not at the very back, though. I, I give myself credit. I went kind of halfway up. And about three quarters of the way through the meeting, uh, the chairperson asked, is there anyone new to the program who would like to right. stand up and introduce themselves? And um, that person waited a very long time, like probably a good 30 seconds. And the 29th second, I stood up and said, I'm David, I'm an alcoholic. And I think in some ways, that was the moment. That was the moment. Like... Mm -hmm because I publicly stood up right. and um, spoke my truth. I, I didn't, at the time, understand even fractionally what truth I was really speaking. Of course. Right, of course, because <laughs> it's my first meeting. Um, I later learned, because you know, eventually I got asked to chair that meeting, and in the, in the chairperson's notes, it says, ask if there's any newcomers, open parenthesis. Mm -hmm. Right. Wait. Because they're scared. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it's still in our script. Cool. And, and, and by the way, I know that because that's been my home group for 14 years, four months, and well, whatever. I was there on right. Tuesday. Right. <laughs> and and post-COVID, we can't meet at the Legion anymore. They, they restructured and renovated, and they're way too expensive. But, but the meeting... It's actually a very long time. It's a meeting that's been going for over 40 years in Vancouver. Yeah. Well, that's cool. cool. Yeah. But that is, so, uh, I mean, that is relatively common, though, in, in meetings when, when they ask for newcomers. I don't remember it, Mike, ever being in a scripting that I read, but it's just like we knew to, you know, sometimes just pause for a minute because mm -hmm. you can see people looking around like, is somebody going to stand up first? Is somebody <laughs> going to go before me? You know, because it's right. okay if somebody leaves first. But if you're like the only person that time, and it is, it's, it's, a, it's a daunting task, you know, when, and when that you first walk I was in there. the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's... I was the only one, again, 60, 70 people in the room. And a right? quick question. So, so the, the Kevin that you spoke of, he's not a sober coach, he's a business coach. Correct. But had some sort of dealings with an individual, so he knew of um, Correct. our thing. And okay, very cool. And I mean, that's the and Mike and I talk about that all the time. That uh, we well clearly have a lot of you know normie friends and things like that. And there's there's people that we know that have have done that. You know that hey, you know if uh, they find somebody, run across somebody that needs some help, and it's cool to have a, a normie be able to say, hey, I know of a guy, I know of a girl, I know of a woman, a man. Mm -hmm. Um, I know mm -hmm. a few people that here let's, you know, so it's, it, it's an important part of, I don't know, it's, you know, just us being there, you know, for, for other people indirectly, Completely. I guess, you know, and I mean, I'll come more to my story. I mean, we're right, right in the, what happened, but, um, you know, I really see my mission at the moment is to try and reduce the stigmatism around alcoholism mm -hmm. and to offer hope. Um, and you know, I, that's why I broke my anonymity two and a half or three years ago. 
you know, went really public. Um, right. Right. Um, and I, I like very regularly tell other coaches, tell other people like, you know, where people, I, I just was on a really big trip and the travel agent that arranged the trip was with us and her husband is, would clearly appear to be from outside. I don't want to judge the person, but mm -hmm. high probability it's an alcoholic. Right. Right. And I, I just said, you've got my name, you've got my number. If he ever wants right. to talk, like, um, I'm here. Right. Just, and yeah. I, and I moved from coach Kevin to another coach, coach Nan is in Atlanta and we've talked recovery a lot, but again, it's like, if you have someone, um, who's struggling, um, I'll always be happy to talk to them. And, and she had a client, um, last year who's clearly a workaholic and struggling and, and we did have an hour chat and I, I'm not certain it made a difference. And of course it doesn't matter whether it made a difference. I'm doing step 12 right. work and, Mm -hmm. You know, as my sponsor uh, has a couple of great stories from his sobriety, reminds us, right, it's it's not about keeping someone else sober. It's about you get to keep your sobriety if you share your experience, strength, and hope. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah, like Lois told Bill, you know, he, he came home and said, I can't keep any of the guys sober. And she said, yeah, but you're still sober. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, so... Since then, you know, since I came into the program, um, I've been a three meeting a week kind of guy. Uh, mm -hmm. I never did like 90 and 90 days as is sometimes suggested. My, mm -hmm. my ego definitely was not up for that. Um, <laughs> like, don't you know how important I am and how right. much I have to do? Um, so, uh, but I did go to three meetings a week and I still really try and get to three meetings a week. Like, and you know, the reason is, uh, I still believe my alcoholic brain wants to kill me. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. And, and part of going to three meetings a week is just to remind myself that mm -hmm. I am an alcoholic with an alcoholic <laughs> brain that wants to kill me. Right. Right. And yep. Seriously, like. Yep. It's it's that simple sometimes. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it's to be in a room with other recovering people and go, "Wow, look at everyone around me is a miracle today. I must be a miracle today." Because mm -hmm. I'm sober. They're sober. Right. Right. And none of us yep. could keep ourselves sober when we were drinking. <laughs> nope. So that's for damn sure. <laughs> there there is some power at work here. We don't have to agree on what it is. We don't have to know what it is. Right. Right. Um, but a miracle is happening. And I and I don't know why I get the miracle and others don't. And again, I don't need to know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I try and have gratitude that I get the miracle today. Right. Right. Um and um, I have my sponsor is kind of, you should do the steps every 12 to 18 months kind of sponsor. Mm. And so, you know, I, it did take a while. It was probably almost 15 or 18 months before I really did my first set of steps. Um, and I, for me, working the steps is, I've only been successful doing it by doing a working step group with another small group of men where we meet every week and we commit to like 16 weeks in a row and um we just work through it and just having that peer pressure um even though it's very light like no, sure. one's, no one's gonna say anything if you drop accountability out yeah right. but it's it's still the accountability right and it's mm -hmm. showing up absolutely and doing the work and and you know it's like an hour a week for the meeting and about an hour and a half to maybe two hours a week to do the homework and you know it's, it's a three hours a week investment for 16 weeks pretty good deal Right. <laughs> right. And interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, um, 
we both got sober in Cleveland. Bill moved away. I'm still here. Um, and, you know, here's our plug for Cleveland sobriety. Um, you know, Cleveland is very specific. You talk to people around the world and anybody that's ever been here knows that this is a pretty hardcore place. And the way we were taught was we do four, five, and eight to the best of our ability, and we don't ever have to do them again. That means that I need to work the rest of the steps every day, all of them, for one day at a time for the rest of my life. You mm-hmm. know, I, I always say I do one, two, and three before I get out of bed in the morning mm-hmm. every day. I have to. You know, you talk about reminding yourself, I, I'm, I consider myself to be so sick that I have to, on a daily basis, wake up when I hit, that alarm goes off. I hit the alarm and I go, hey, asshole, you're an alcoholic. Don't forget it. <laughs> you're powerless and you're unmanageable. Exactly. <laughs> right. I, I, I sit on a cushion. Like I, I have a journaling practice. I journal first thing in the morning and before I go to bed at night mm-hmm. and sometimes other times. But um, and yeah, I, I have most of that step one, two, three prayers and, and a few. And I just have a whole prayer sequence I've developed sure. over right. the years. And yeah, well, anybody that's successful at this thing does, you, you know, get and, that routine, and just to be you get grounded, that practice, yeah, and to be grounded and to be like still, which is fucking the hardest thing for me <laughs> to be. <is> still, <laughs> I'm uh-huh. an action oriented individual, and it's right. just baked deep into me. If in doubt, mm-hmm. go into action, it's another one of my coping mechanisms. Um, and a lot of times it serves me super well. I've got an unbelievable amount of shit done in my life right. um, and had an unbelievable amount of success and it doesn't always serve me. So, right. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you got to take, you, you got to take that 10 minutes a day and shut everything down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and that's what we were taught too. And there's uh, you know, there's certain things that Mike and I do about the same things. I read, I think two more different two more readings that you do every day. Mm-hmm. But um, my, my process in the morning takes about 20 minutes and that's it. And I do a set of prayers at night and, and that's how I end my day. But um, when we're, if I'm traveling or I'm around people or, well, a great example, when our, when our mom passed away, we went to her, um, mm-hmm. a bunch of us were in a house. We had 14 people in a house. Um, right. and if I'm with that many people, my prayers are my own. So I went into the bathroom and I brushed my teeth. I put my contacts in and I literally sat down not to go to the bathroom, but I sat down mm-hmm. in the, yep. on the toilet in the bathroom to do my prayers by myself. Yep. And then I went out into the front room or if I'm with family, everyone knows that I, that mm-hmm. I do my reading and I'll have my computer and all my phone. Cause I've got everything either on my computer or my phone. Mike, you still uses the physical books. Um, yes, I but do. I mean, everyone knows what our deal is. He stays in his room and does it. You know, mm-hmm. I will do it out in front of people. My The readings part, but if somebody starts, oh, you know this, I'm like, just, you know, give me five. And I don't mind if somebody's there, but I'm going to sit there and I'm going to do that. You know, so it, and it is, it's part of that. Um, you know, it's just, it's that routine. It's that process. It's getting ourselves set and ready for the day. And without it, both of us have agreed that we just be fucked. You know, if we didn't do right. that yeah. every day, you know, just, I can't, <laughs> I can't function without, you know, getting my head straight every morning. I can't. So my sponsor um, does a series of online readings uh, every mm-hmm. day, and he gathers those together in an email and sends it out to about 75 of us. Oh, wow. Um, he actually gathers it together in an email, sends it out, and then he prints it out, and then he, he likes to read the printed copy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so and it's, it's a couple things from AA, one from Al-Anon, or around codependency usually. Mm-hmm. And then like a little summary. So that's also part of my 
daily reading. Uh, right. I mean, he sends it out a little bit later, so I get to it a little bit later, but um, I always take the time to like try and read it slowly. And actually sometimes, you know, you got to reread it four times because my brain mm-hmm. skipping over it. Yep. Every um, day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, I don't think you guys have ever experienced that. No. Right. Like I started off with, we're unique, we're special, we're right. different. Right. <laughs> Terminally unique. So, uh, yeah. Um, and, you know, eventually, like the first two times I did the steps, I probably, you know, I was the first time for sure, I was quite nervous. You know, now I've probably done it seven or eight times in total. Um, uh, it's like just it's a way to get to know myself better right like and i i actually look forward to it and look forward to the experience of doing it with other men um and as you said like my step four list the only thing that comes back on my step four list is myself um because i still have that um part of me that's so so tough on myself um and usually nothing new is coming on to step eight uh so yeah i i mean I practice step 10 pretty hard. Yeah, I was going to say, right. That's <laughs> yeah, that was the, the next point one. of step 10, so you don't have to... And my lineage, like that from step my, my grand sponsor um, was part of my home group for a long time. And so from my grand sponsor to my sponsor, um, they, they have a very clear attitude of promptly, mm-hmm. which is 24 hours. Yep. Right? So right. that's their definition of promptly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which is, I, I like that. Like it, you know, it has clear, like, you know, you don't sit on this. You like need right. to go and do the uncomfortable thing and own your stuff and make a commitment. You're going to try and do better next time mm-hmm. and move on. Well, personally, as a selfish, self-centered asshole, I like cleaning that stuff up as quickly as possible. <laughs> so I don't feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? And it, it, it is, it's a matter of, um, you know, there, and we've talked about this uh, plenty of times, but there, there's been a number of times, a lot of times over the years when I've, again, that, that 10 step mindset has taken me back to somebody to, to apologize and invariably in a lot of circumstances they're like no i get it you were upset or that wasn't a big deal you don't need to apologize and in my head i'm like damn it because <laughs> you know thinking i didn't have to but yes, I did. yes i do but i yeah. did you know because even even if they didn't think that's how i felt and i thought it so i got to get it out you know and yes and then it clears it up that i there's no question in my head um, my side of the street's clean i've never had anyone say um i don't accept your apology that's that's the number one never as anyone said, I don't accept it, which thankfully means, hopefully, that I haven't jacked anyone up too badly in the last <laughs> 13 right. years. And it's usually right. something relatively simple, like, you know, you lose your temper or you snap at somebody or something like that. You know, it's a it's mm-hmm. a human thing that everyone else does. But, you know, we're doing it still, but at a lesser level. So I think maybe that's why people don't think it's a big deal, because they just got screamed at by somebody else that just flipped them off and walked away and... <laughs> Would never say right. apologize or never say exactly. you're sorry, you know? So, well, and my sponsor is really um, adamant about like a lot of us said sorry a lot when we were drinking. Right. Mm. And then we never changed our behavior. And so it's not really about an apology. Right. It's about owning your behavior, mm-hmm. like owning that you've lost your control of your anger. Like it's okay to be angry, it's about how you express it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I express it inappropriately, then I need to own that behavior. And yes, I can say I'm sorry, but really it's about owning that behavior and then saying, 
I would like to do better with this next time. And, you know, like sometimes with my wife and I'll say, and if you see, I'm not doing it well, I want you to point it out to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a, right? It's, it's a dangerous that's... thing, but I'll tell you what, that that's accountability. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right <laughs> that's, that's, that's a commitment to making change. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. And not continuing the behavior, which to me, that's what step nine and 10 are. Uh, what amends are about is mm -hmm. about changing our behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Becoming... Way more than the apology. It's about, I'm going to become a different person. I'm going to live differently and I'm going to show up differently. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole point of all of this is to be a better person, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, yes, we, you know, and, and not have to pick up that drink because you're a better person. Pretty fucking simple. Right. <laughs> it is. And you know what? In one, in one thing, David, I, I wrote down because I really liked it when you said that was own your behavior. Um, two things mm -hmm. that that's probably going to end up in the description <laughs> when I write this up because <laughs> I because I like it and I I may steal that and I may use that. Own your behavior because I I like that. And I mean that's not that. Um, I, I think that's what I try to do, but you know, you just put something into words. Mike and I have these, well, I get these epiphanies all this, all the time on this podcast <laughs> where I'm like rambling around some stuff and he'll say something. And then, you know, I ramble around about all this and then you're like, own your behavior. I'm like, yes. <laughs> but then the one thing when you were talking about your wife, so, uh, my, my ex-wife, my son's mom, we split up, uh, last five years, four years before I, I got sober. But she used to always tell me, cause it, it was always the, my, anytime I acted up, you know, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I would never change my behavior. Right. And, you know, she used to, the, the one thing that she told me at that time, which still sticks with me. And this was, she told me this while I was drinking. She said, the things you do, um, you know, are not things people say, you know, sorry for. She's like, you say, sorry, or people say, sorry, if they spill your milk, the things that you do, you know, can't be explained away that way. And I would just be like, I'd be like, well, fuck you then, <laughs> you know, right. but, but again, I was an active, you know, raging yep. alcoholic, you know, so she just said, sorry, it's not for the things you do. It's it, it, it I understand it now, but at the time I just thought, you know, fuck it. Then I'm not going to say anything, you know, because mm -hmm. you're in the middle of your addiction. So of course, <laughs> big time to do it. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, I wanted seriously, to share, own, own your behavior. I love it. Just so what I love. I can know. go. I can go any way you guys want to go. Uh, I did want to share one other aspect of my recovery. Feel free. Uh, four Please. years ago, I was at the Sobriety Under the Sun conference in Puerto Vallarta, which I really like, um, which is an AA conference, but it's co-hosted or helped with Al-Anon. I have mm -hmm. quite a few Al-Anon speakers. I went to an Al-Anon panel discussion, uh, four women who shared, and one of them I really related to the story that she shared, and I went up and I talked to her afterwards. And she just looked me in the eye and she said, well, she said a year ago, I started going to adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families. And I've made more progress in the last year than I did in 20 with Eleanor. Hmm. And that got my attention. Right. Um, so I started attending ACA and they have their own set of workbooks and it's still the, the AA steps, but the workbook asks questions in a very, very different way, really digging much more into your family of origin. And this has been a fantastic adjunct to my recovery um, and let me heal even more. Um, and they, they use a model of a critical parent and a loving parent and an inner child. And that model has been very powerful for me to understand what's going on inside me. Uh, so for any of your listeners or for you, um, that, that has just really um, 
like some of those stories that I, I mentioned that like I have to keep putting myself on step four because I have resentments against myself or I like owe amends to myself. Mm -hmm. um, that's almost all driven from my critical parent, like criticizing me and me reacting to that. And now right. I can actually recognize it and I can actually, you know, say, thank you for showing up and we, I don't need your help right now. I've got this. It's okay. We're just fine. Um, and again, it's been another huge, big body of personal growth work. Um, but I just wanted to share that. And it's not that I put AA aside in any way. I've still gone sure. to my three meetings a week, still have my group I'm working with, but it has been a really big addition, uh, to my recovery and a, a very, very nice. powerful yeah. one. You know, I mean, God knows we could use all the help we can get. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I know that, uh, there's, and I've met, and I, for the life of me, I can't think of, um, specific examples, not that I named them anyhow, but I've met, um, uh, people over the years that either it was like a vice versa, started off in AA and added Al-Anon. There's some people that, you know, started off in Al-Anon and added AA. Um, I've known, mm -hmm. I've heard people talk about on some of the podcasts that I've been listening to the adult children of alcoholics. My dad gave me that book when I was, 17 or 18. Uh, I've told that story before, kind of a long one, but um, I also gave that book to my son, um, I think probably now five years ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I gave it to him and I told him the story about what happened when my, when my dad had given it to me and what happened with the, it was the woman he was with at the time, kind of, it was this big blown up thing. But all I said to my son at that time was, I'm going to give it to you. Um, if you choose to read it, feel free. If you have questions, you can ask me. But I said, I'll never ask you about it again. If you, I'm not going to force mm -hmm. you to do it because that was part of the thing that was brought on me. And that's, it, to me, it just kind of went, it's completely the opposite of what that, what that whole thing is trying to teach. You know, so I just, I gave it to him. To this day, I, I don't know if he's read it, you know, but I gave it to him, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, and I, Good for you. I try to be open with him that my dad was an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. It doesn't doom him to alcoholism, but I told him, I said, you, you need to be mindful if nothing else. Yes. You know, and yeah. uh, he's been for sure completely open with me. He's had questions over the years. Um, he talks to me about, um, he drinks, you know, he's a 22 year old kid, you know, um, mm -hmm. I don't think problematically. I've never, never seen that. He goes out and he rips it up with his friends and does what a lot of 22 year olds are doing. But I, I feel confident or at least I, I would hope, you know, that if he would need um, anything or would have any questions, you know, even if he could go to me, he could go to Mike, um, he could go to our sister. My sister could put him in touch with people. I mean, there we got this whole family and our sister's a normie, by the way, but we got this whole family of people that can help, you know, anyone if they need it, which is really cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, I've got clock. another piece. I got another. Yeah. So where are we at with the clock? I mean, I got another you little know what? piece of the story. What do you want? David's got another piece of the story. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break here and we're going to get back to his little piece of the story right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, everyone. It's your friends. It's sober, not mature. Hi there. And, uh, <laughs> yes, yes it's, it's both of your friends this time. Hi, Mike. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. How are you, Bill? I am doing well. But we do, we do have a purpose. Uh, we, we actually <laughs> usually talk about uh, our one website, but we actually have two websites now. So two? We wanted to, two websites in one. <laughs> All right. So, 
So everyone knows we still have the podcast website that is www.sobernotmature.com. Uh-huh. And we just launched the store website, so um, we also have that. Do you know what the website address is on that one, Mike? Of course I don't. <laughs> it's pretty easy, Mike. It's www.sobernotmatureshop.com. Ah. So, <laughs> but from the, the the podcast website, you can still hit the store link and get into the uh, into the web store, or you can right. access it from our Instagram page through the highlights. Uh, we've been posting quite a bit about it, and we'll continue to do that. But mm-hmm. do you know what's on the second website, Mike? Um, it, well, there's a store. There are products that you can purchase for you <laughs> and your loved ones. <laughs> well, Mike, do we do we still have merchandise? <laughs> we have merchandise. Well, we got T-shirts and coffee mugs and all kinds of crap. <laughs> and one of the one of the coolest parts, we also do have <laughs> all the recovery books from Hazelden, which is kind of a big deal. That um, is a least- big deal. Eh, at least for us. So all the books that we read, God grant me 24 hours, the big book, the 12 and 12, um, all of those books are available for sale on our website. And they once are. again, that, that store website is www.sober. <laughs> trying to help, man. I know you are. You're not helping, though. Okay, now I got to say www.sobernotmatureshop.com. Dot so, com. Dot com. Visit that today or visit the, the podcast website, which is, again, you know the podcast website, so. Uh, com. <laughs> Did you just say sobermanotmature? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> yeah, like fucking mush mouth or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. You've suffered enough with this, and uh, we'll get back to what we were talking about previously. So visit the websites, though. All right, everyone, welcome back. And now on to the other piece of the story with David. <laughs> yeah, that was, so, a, that was a good one. It was like one of those things where it's like either you could have continued it or I, I think that was a good place to take a break anyhow. So, yeah, sorry about that, David. But, I, yeah, by all means, go go through. You've got uh, – we got plenty of time. Tell us your story. So I mentioned what it was like. Um, I was adopted at birth. And – it took 60 years and it took nine years of recovery and about five years of therapy work um, for me to get to a point where I wasn't codependent with my mother and uh, wasn't worried about her response of my looking for my birth mother. Mm-hmm. And so when I turned 60, I um, applied to Alberta adoption records for my file. And uh, I actually did it in person. And they actually, they couldn't give me my whole file, but they did give me my birth certificate. Um, and uh, I was named Baby B. Ridley. And my mother had requested all of her information be um, removed. Hmm. Uh, but my name is, but, and so in my birth certificate, all of her name is blacked out. All of the, her information is blacked out and there's no information on the father. Um, but my name is my name. It's, and, and, it's not my mother's name. Well, it is my mother's name, but it's not, my, it's not her name. If you know what I mean, it's, it's <laughs> right. my information. So it was not blacked out. Um, and, uh, I was able through when I eventually got my file and then help of a counselor in Edmonton, who's helped like 3,500, uh, birth parents and adoptees reunite over the last 40 years. Uh, I found out who my birth mother was. Nice. Hmm. And five years ago, I had a very, very short conversation with her. Uh, mm. Basically, was um, 
I'd find I tried a few times and finally got her on the phone and I explained who I was. And her first response was, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so of course, denial. Then I explained how I'd got the file from Alberta adoptions, you know, records and, and figured it out. And she said, uh, those damn people, they never should have given you anything. So blame about that thing that, you know, 60 seconds ago, she said she knew nothing about. Right. And then she said, I want nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. And just complete rejection, which I understand was not rejecting me because she doesn't even know who I am. Right. 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 Although I experienced that it was rejection, I got to tell you. Um, and, you know, the loss of being given away at birth, you know, um, and to be able to experience that as an adult in some form and then reparent myself and work through it. Which I did really, it was on a Sunday morning, I talked to her and it, by, I went for a really long walk by myself and I talked to my sponsor and I talked to my coach and eventually Carolee called me a couple hours later and she met me downtown and I really was pretty much whole um, as I could be in the day. But mm -hmm. I did tell my birth mother I knew who one of my sisters were, her daughter, um, my half-sister, and that I'd be reaching out to her. And she said, I... I don't want you to do that. And I said, I can appreciate that, but I'm letting you know, I'm going to do that. It was part of the coaching I got from this counselor because most right. first moms, when they know the secret's going to come out, they, they like break down a little and start cracking open the door. Um, and that did not happen in my case. Um, so anyways, I reached out to my, um, my older maternal sister and uh, she has a blog and I, you know, I had a contact form and I filled it out, gave like a really three paragraph carefully worded message. And, um, about 10 days later, I got a beautiful welcoming letter. It happened to come as an email, but really it was a letter, um, welcoming me to the Ridley family. That's cool. And, really? That's very cool. And I be, and I become close friends with Wendy and Nancy. And, nice. and uh, since learned that Terry, my birth mom, um, is an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. uh, that I have a half brother, Gary, who died in 2015 of liver disease as the direct result of his alcoholism. So, so my adoptive parents, I don't think are alcoholics, but my birth mother, uh, mm -hmm. clearly, uh, was. And, um, in April, my sister called me and said, Terry's just been admitted to the hospital and she's got brain cancer and they are giving her maybe a week to live. Uh, and that was like a Saturday morning. I flew out to Calgary, which is where I was conceived um, and where, where still some of my, uh, my maternal family live. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, on the Monday afternoon and Tuesday morning, my aunt, my uncle, my two sisters um, called me and invited me to the hospital room where my birth mother was still alive, but unconscious. Mm -hmm. so she couldn't, uh, order me out of the room. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, the point there is that the whole family wanted me to be there. Right. Right. Like talk about ex the opposite of rejection. Talk about acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, and two hours later, Terry stopped breathing and, uh, and I don't know five or 10 minutes later, like we all hugged each other and a lot of tears, me too. 
And uh, then my, my Uncle Jim um, said, hey, David, do you want a picture with Terry? And uh, my internal response was, no fucking way. <laughs> right. And my loving parent said to myself, mm -hmm. you will never have an opportunity to have a picture with Terry ever again. Right. And so I got him to take a picture. I, I'm not the most smiling, happy person in that picture, no, but then, no. you know, my birth mother but, just died. Right. 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 But it exists. Right. You have that, that whatever kind of connection there. Yeah. 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 And, um, and on the weekend, my uncle had asked me to record a video to my birth mother, um, in case mm -hmm. he had a chance to show it to her while she was still alive. And I did. And I sent it to my sister and my uncle. My uncle said he cried for 20 minutes when he watched it. It was a very emotional video. Um, mm -hmm. It was really from the heart. And before I got to the hospital on the Tuesday morning, my sister told me that she played the video to Terry. And she said, uh, I think she needed to hear it. And I know that you needed me to play it. Right. Right. And, you know, how perceptive, how supportive, like, um, you know, and how, you know, to be able to have the full experience of the emotion of this, um, through the gift of sobriety. Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. Well, yeah. Cause I, you know, Christ, if you were still drinking, you know, <laughs> none of this would have happened. And the day after, uh, my uncle and my sisters went to my birth mother's place and bottle of rye in the cupboard and 12 bottles of rye in a box in the closet. Mm. <laughs> so I wondered if she was an alcoholic up to the end. And I think the answer is yes. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> right. Like, you know, normal people don't keep a full box of Canadian rye, Canadian club rye in the closet. Right. Well, and, um, and like what, what Mike's just said too, is that, uh, you know, in all, if you were still drinking, I mean, you never would have went through that, that process, or if you did, it would have went horribly. You know, I can, Correct. I can only imagine, but, um, in, I don't know if I could imagine it. <laughs> right. But I mean, it just, it, you know, that one way or the other, if uh, all the opportunities that we have, if we would have, you know, even gotten to these opportunities, but threw alcohol on top of them, we just would have fucked them all up. Like we did all the other things, you know? So, um, I think that, even though, you know, again, the beginning of the story and, and her not wanting to have anything to do with you, but then being a part of the expanded family and then, you know, having those, those final moments and things with her again, it, whatever this perfect vision is of what somebody thinks that whole process should have been probably wasn't perfect, but it, you were able to experience. And I think you put it perfectly that all the emotions that you got to go through and, and now you have all that, you know, and you have all of it because you're sober. <laughs> which, which is just still a, all these things, man, the, the, the good things, the bad things, the, the tragedies and the triumphs and, you know, we get to experience all of them. Um, and, and with a clear head, which is pretty cool. And to do things like, um, I, I'm just back in a mass from a massive trip. Um, um, that's why we're recording this now rather than back when I first reached out to you because I was gone for four weeks, we went to Istanbul and then we went to Jordan and did a group tour for 12 days. Hmm. And I don't know, like I'm in the van, we're driving through Jordan and like, I just remembered like, and, and, you know, now I, I tend to take it for granted, but like, I wanted to do these kind of adventures before, but would not do them because I couldn't drink enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. 
like I would not have done that Jordan trip, like a small group tour where you're quite intimate with another group. There was no, would have been no opportunity to have hidden all the alcohol I would have needed to drink. Right. And I mean, it, I mean, you can drink in Jordan, but it's just, I wouldn't have been able to acquire enough and hide it and do all the things <laughs> that I do, did as an alcoholic. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, I would have just said no to the trip. And just like right. in 2011, I trekked up to Annapurna Base Camp in um, in Nepal, in the Himalayas. And same thing, I, a good friend of mine, you know, that was like her 13th or 14th trip that she had led. And I'd known about it for years and years and wanted to do it for years and years. And there was no, I just couldn't do it because there was no booze, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, it, it just like now it's so easy to just forget. Like I denied myself all these things, you know? And then a couple of years after that with her husband, I was able to sail across the Atlantic ocean from the Canary islands to Barbados. Again, I'd wanted to sail across an ocean for decades and couldn't do it because, um, no captain would agree to bring on board enough booze um, <laughs> and me to drink that much. Right. Like, so it, it was a dream, but it was a non-starter. Right until i got sober right and exactly right and, well, yes being a slave sucks <laughs> you can't do what you want to do but i sometimes forget <laughs> these i sometimes forget these gifts that i'm living like mm -hmm. like i need to still remind myself and go back about you know this is what i get by living a sober life and i have mm -hmm. these opportunities and now i don't think about saying yes to them because i can't drink Mm -hmm. Right. I just say, yeah, let's do this. Right. Yeah. Freedom. It's a beautiful thing. It is really, really incredible. Well, and, uh, mm -hmm. and Mike and I actually talk about that all the time. And I'll, I'll just speak for myself, probably maybe even more than him. But um, I mean, I, I do. There there are plenty of times that I and it sounds so stupid when I say it out loud, but I forget to be grateful. You know, even for, like I said, grateful for the, even, even the tragedies, you know, if, if somebody passes or somebody's sick or, or something weird happens to me, whatever the case is, being grateful for the fact that I have the ability now to, to experience those things and, and, you know, fulfill and, and just deal with the every emotion, but just the, just the daily things, you know, my, my kids, my family, um, you know, I'm, I'm a relatively healthy human being, you know, the, it taking a drive in, in anywhere, you know, I mean, uh, sitting by a pond, I don't know, talking with a friend doing this, you know, and that, that might even mm -hmm. seem silly, but this gives Mike and I have been doing this for a year and what, three months or something like that. Right, Mike. And, um, mm -hmm. we have had not, it's not been an even mix of, you know, guests and whatever for the number of episodes, like a half and half, but we've gotten to hear amazing stories. Mike and I have, uh, we've known each other since, you know, we first got sober, but we've, we've actually told stories that the, each one of us hadn't heard before, <laughs> you know, or, or if nothing else, you know, we're, we're having these conversations and now we're having, we're having not just random people, but our, our families, our kids, um, you know, these people that are really close to us in our lives, listening, we're able to share those things. But then these random human beings, normal normies and everything like that, that are uh, just, again, we're, we're able to try to just get this stuff out there. And it's, it's an opportunity for us to, you know, verbally share that gratitude, even if we're not doing it on a daily basis, once a week, every Friday, we get to get on here and, and get honest. <laughs> and that's that's not always the easiest thing for it doesn't matter whether you've been sober for you know three minutes or 30 years 
you know, for, for us people, it's not always the easiest thing to just be open and honest. And um, I'm grateful that I, that I have that opportunity today, you know? And I want to thank you for having the podcast, for sharing your experience, strength and hope, for being willing every Friday to get together and do this. Like it's a big commitment. And, you know, I, I, I know you're helping people. Well, and, and we appreciate that. And the, the thing of it is, and, and I think you, you listened to the episode about shooting, shooting our wad into the wind, right? I think you mentioned that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I did. So that was our, that was our, the, the middle of the road episode, the six month episode. And we talked very openly um, about what our expectations were up to that point. And that's where that, that thing came in. Cause Mike just, his, his on it. And it's part of our opening now because it was, it was funny, but it's, it's really, it's very true is we just shoot our wad into the wind and see what happens. And, and that's, that's literally what, what we did. We, we pieced all of this stuff together. It was an idea. It was like, again, probably our egotism. Like we can fucking do this. We can get on some microphone and just fucking talk and tell stories. But then, you know, we started off on our phones with that's the audio on a beginning of our episodes. We say it enough. It just, it's crappy, but some, I think some of our, there's some really good stories in those first 20 episodes, you know, um, because that's mm-hmm. when we had all these things to talk about and we were just getting into it and it was cool. Um, but we had no idea. And raw and honest. Oh, yeah. We had, we had no idea what we were doing and it showed, <laughs> but I mean that, <laughs> I think that added to, and I hate to say this, but it probably added to the charm of what was coming out of our mouths is because we had no freaking idea what we were doing. And even to this day, we don't, I was going to say, man, you're implying that we know what we're doing now. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, even to this day, all that we've gotten is we've gotten in a habit of doing things possibly wrong. And it sounds, we've got better audio. We've got a great studio out here that we paid a little bit of money for. Um, So all it is, and Mike, you say it best all the time, the same shit, but better audio, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) But uh, I mean, Mike. You know, I I have a belief that we often do our best work when we don't have an effing clue what we're doing. Right, yeah. because we, because we don't know what we're doing, so we 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 just go out there and we just try and and uh, you know another thing is a as a professional coach, like I, I think we learn very little from our successes. Mm. What we learn tremendously from are our failures. Absolutely, oh, absolutely, yep. Right, and and people they don't realize that or they lose sight of that, right. As, right. as, and plus, as you know, as as addicts and alcoholics, we tend to overthink everything. <laughs> you <And> think? It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> it's one of my problems. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, but but because of this program, we you know, I, I have simplified things so much that I I tend not to think. It's it's you know, go from the gut, go from the heart, and just it, it, listen to that little voice in my head saying this is this is right. This feels right. It must be right. Not that, not, you know, given left to my own devices, I can rationalize and justify anything. You know, I could sit there and take 10 minutes and, and make the wrongest thing in the world, if that's a word. And <laughs> you just, you just and, made one. You know, I did. And, it, you know, and, and, and make it right in my head. But if I, if I actually listen to my heart and listen to my conscience and, and do what I'm supposed to do, it feels right. Therefore, it is right. I'm trying to listen less to the little voice in my head and listen a lot harder to the little voice in my heart. Right. Right. 
Absolutely. Yep. Well, and that's a that's a huge thing. And I just had a situation. Um, and we'll probably talk about it next week, uh, you know, in more detail. But um, something that was presented to me in a in my, a work situation, and uh, it was a change. I wanted things to, you know, I was trying to present things a certain way, and it was something that was asked of me and whatever it was. But the like the counter offer, I guess I'll call it. Um, it irritated me, but then it just didn't, it didn't feel right. Um, so I said, no, you know, and it's probably something that even, I don't know, even five years ago, you know, still sober at that time, but even five years ago, I might've said yes. And I thought about, I'm like, no, I don't need to, if it doesn't feel right. You know, I mean, that's one of the things that thankfully, um, to this day, whatever, you know, whatever time it is right now, but you know, I have, I, I have yet to, to drink you know, or anything like that in the last 13 plus years. But part of the reason for that is we were taught very early on that if it doesn't feel right, don't do it, you know, or if it feels weird, leave. If you're uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, make a change, go in a different direction, especially if you're in a place, if you start to feel a little itchy, then you need to walk out, you know, because um, something's not right. And But the same thing, Mike just said it perfectly, you know, you can figure out the wrong things, what's wrong by doing that. But also the things that are like, man, this, this feels right. Everything lines up. You go talk to a couple of people about it, throw it through the absolutes, right, Mike, you know, how can we go wrong after that? You know? So it's a, it's, it's wonderful to be able to have that. And I'll go back to it again, that clarity, you know, to be able to do these things. And in my work with entrepreneurs as a professional coach, so I'm not a, like a sobriety coach. I'm, I'm a business coach who just happens to, be sober and <laughs> mm-hmm. know what it's like. Um, you know, so like as a owner entrepreneur, especially in high end sales, like, you know, to close the sale, you're expected to go with the senior leadership team of the other company, not always, but often and have like a big dinner and like drink a ton of stuff. Um, and so it's, so it's, you know, we're taught to like be, leave any situation where you're uncomfortable and, you know, you've got a, four or $5 million deal riding on this dinner, it's really hard for you to leave. <laughs> right. But there's, but, but, you know, there's lots of, but you can always make sure you have a water and you can still excuse yourself and go call your sponsor. Mm-hmm. Like part of my coaching is giving people tools that let them live in that environment um, and still be able to look after themselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And, and whether it's networking events, whether it's kind of sales event and, and also to really normalize that, like it's the other people's, like I, I have a client who's I think a normie and he came back from, he's super high end company, um, massive sales. And he came back from a trip and they'd had a dinner and he said, you know, everybody had at least two drinks before dinner. And then we drank a bottle of wine per person. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's alcoholic? And I go, yeah. <laughs> I said, did you take a break any time? Like, and like have a round of water? No. And and I said, but that's just normalized. Like, it, it's still alcoholic drinking, right? And the, the mm. thing in society, like that is, and in business, in certain aspects of business, it's so normalized. Like, um, like again, it, it, you know, we have to justify why we're not drinking. Like, if I say I'm not going to eat a banana. No one says, oh, why are you not eating a banana? What's wrong with you? Is there something wrong with bananas? Like, no one asks you that, but you say, I don't know. Oh, I'm not going to have a drink. Mm-hmm. Well, what's wrong with you? What? Well, here, let me get you a drink. 
like that, that's usually the first response, especially if they have issues with alcohol. Right. Right. Well, let's let's come back to that in a minute, Mike. I heard a mm over there when he said alcoholic drinking. So let's go back to that. You had a you <laughs> right, had a point. Right. Well, <laughs> well, just that you know, but. They may have done that that night, but then they got up the next morning and they shaved and they did what they had to do. I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I would keep going and keep going. And well, I did, you know, and never stopped. Um, Right. You know, so I I have a a problem. Yes, they drank too much and and whatever, and that's fine. They can, you know, I, I have a problem saying people are alcoholics. Only I can say I'm an alcoholic. Nobody can call me an alcoholic. Um, I was an alcoholic because I drank all the time and I couldn't stop on my own. You know, um, I, I just, you know, yes, they, they drink a lot and in, in, in that situation, that's, you know, they might be an alcoholic, but they might not. I, I, I just, I don't like. So I just, t- just because the language, the language I used, I was very careful not to call them alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I said they drank alcoholically. Right. Right. Which and if you look at like the uh, NIAAA in the U.S. definition mm-hmm. of right. like um, heavy drinking. Mm. Right. And the probability of heavy drinking being an indicator of substance or um, S. Addictive personality. Addictive, sure. Yeah. Um, then they qualify. Sure. So, again, I'm not saying anyone was. I'm, I am saying to have seven drinks each in a row mm-hmm. in a single session. Right. Right. Well, is, I mean, the, is the alcoholic book, drinking. The big book uh, it describes it perfectly for me. You know, he, uh, Bill talks about, you know, yes, heavy drinkers, they, they drink alcoholically, quote unquote, um, but given sufficient reason, they can stop on their own. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. That's the difference. And, and, and most of, you know, I, most people, who exhibit that behavior can stop on their own. I can't. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Totally. That's all. Yeah. So then the back to <laughs> back to what you were saying, David, too, like being at, a, at the like social events and things like that. And I agree because uh, I was part of, I've been in sales positions and all those different things, networking things and conferences since I was in my early twenties. So certainly long before I quit drinking. And then after I quit drinking, I've, I've gone to golf outings. I've been to events like that. I've been to weddings. Um, the weddings I've been to have been family events where people knew my deal. Most of them did, but not mm-hmm. everyone. Um, and then I've been to plenty of work events and things like that. And here's the thing is that I never, I was never, I never felt pressured to drink. I felt I had an obligation as based on my position with the organization to be at that, at that function that happened to be at the bar in the hotel for a certain amount of time. And somebody's like, Hey, can I grab you a drink? And I'm like, nah, I'll just grab a soda. That's my answer. Or somebody's like, mm-hmm. do you want something to drink? And I'm like, sure, I'll take a, I'll take a diet Coke or I'll grab myself a water. Yeah. I don't, I don't say no. And I never say I don't drink unless somebody says you don't drink. I'm like, no. And then, you, you see the look on their face and if somebody says really or why, which most people don't, most people don't follow up, Correct. but if they do, I'll just say, eh, it's a health choice, you know, because yeah, in my, in my head, two things, I know that nobody's going to argue with you and say, well, you shouldn't be healthy. You realize that, right? You know, hmm. nobody's going to say that number one, but if somebody pushed beyond that, which again, in 13 plus years, nobody's pushed beyond that point, they can think whatever they want and I don't care. Um, but 
you know, if they push me on that point, I would be just, I don't know what I do. I probably just walk away or tell them to fuck off and walk away. You know, if I had that ability, mm. but the, the whole point with that is that I think that, and I'm going to use your word, own your behavior, right? But I'll use it the other one. Mm-hmm. And when I walk into things like that, I walk in um, and I do it on purpose because it's like walking into, I don't know, maybe, and I've never been in prison, thank God. But if I went into prison, either realizing you're going to have to kick the shit out of the biggest guy in the prison or acting like you own the place, right? You know, acting like you belong, you just go up there and get your shit and nobody bothers you. You know, so I, I try to carry that type of attitude where I know I would not have felt comfortable doing that. I avoided some work events and things like that in the first probably three years that I was sober because I knew that I wouldn't be comfortable. So I just didn't go, you know, so good for you. that's, that's part of that thing too, is being, I got finally got to the point where I'm comfortable enough in my skin and I'm confident that I, I don't want to drink. So I just go in there and I just do my shit. And I rarely have I ever been asked. I've had a couple of people just say, I didn't know you didn't, you didn't drink. I'm like, no, they're like, Oh, Okay. And they go out and they pound whatever they got in their mouth. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. Right, right, Mike? People don't give a shit about what we're doing. <laughs> they really I would say don't. the occasional times I've, I've had more pushback or more, you know, kind of questioning, it's almost always someone who in the end um, has some issue with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They may not have, like, the heavy drinkers, but maybe their parents right. Like, it, Like, somewhere in their close circle is an issue with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Right. And um, which generally is what's making them really reactive around yeah. mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. my behavior. And again, it's it's like it's their issue, not mine. Right. And, you know, and as I was coached by my sponsor, very sponsors, because I've had multiple sponsors um, mm-hmm. early on is never go into a situation without an exit. Oh, plan. yeah. Absolutely. We, we talk about yeah. that right? endlessly. And, and it's it's hugely important. It's you know, it's so mm-hmm. important. Right. Mm-hmm. Take your and of course, card. my line, my line now is, you know, I'll be out at a <laughs> social function or whatever, and somebody will ask me, and I'll just, I'll look at them in the eye, I'll look over at the bar and go, they don't have enough, <laughs> and it usually shuts them down. <laughs> yeah, see, he, he goes the other direction, but then again, you know, it, it works for him. You know, it's, uh, and that's mm-hmm. the thing, what, whatever works. <laughs> and I, I just know, listening again to podcasts and, and all those sort of things, people get really hung up on the fact of. Um, what do I say if, and I was to begin with, you know, and then um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think it was Phyllis, Mike, that told me um, she was one of the people who ran the Keating Center, which was the sober living facility we went through in Cleveland. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. that she's the one that mentioned the, the health situation or the health thing. Right. You know, and yeah. and I, I've used that and, and it works. It was a it was a crutch for me to begin with. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. I can't I can't even remember the last time that it's even got to that question. Cause when somebody says, do you want something to drink? I say yes. And I tell them what I want. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll just say, oh, or no, I got a soda or I'll grab a soda or, you know, what type of coffee do you guys have or, or whatever the deal is. And it just shoots them off in, into that direction, you know? So, but then again, I'm, I'm choosy about where I go. I'm not just going to go, I don't hang out in bars by myself. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't go <laughs> yeah. to like, you know, seedy nightclubs or, you know, hang out in, in weird places. But, um, so, I mean, I, I know my surroundings first of all, which is probably part of it, but, but yeah, I think it's just, uh, again, owning your behavior, David, that's what, that's what I think we should do. <laughs> but, um, you know, I want you to, well, 
not what I want to do. I'd, I'd love to hear about it a little bit more about your, about your business. Um, because we want to have that opportunity. We, you, you've talked to, you know, kind of the outskirts of your coaching and what you do from a business standpoint, this is an opportunity if you'd like to, you know, let everyone know what you do, where they can find you, um, anything you want to do, get your, get your name out there a little bit. Sure. So I work exclusively with, um, entrepreneurs or super like high, high energy, high performing individuals. So sometimes I work with, um, with, um, uh, salespeople who, you know, have really need to build really big books of business. And they're basically entrepreneurs within a much bigger organization. You know, I've got a client that's a five time Olympian. Um, and, um, you know, they're at some point they're stuck or need help. Um, and as, especially entrepreneurs, because I've got you know, this 40 plus year track record. Um, I've got a big, big toolbox that I can bring to the table. Um, but what I really tell people is if, you know, if you think maybe you want to have a coach is, uh, I, I'm always open to having an hour long coaching call with someone at no charge. Like, so just come to me with like something that's really challenging you or you don't know what to do about in your business and, um, we'll work through it in a call. And, uh, you know, at the end, my goal is always to make sure you've got at least direction on what the next right step is. Okay. We, you know, we quite, quite likely haven't solved it all because you really solve it all in a one hour call. Um, <laughs> Do you ever really solve everything all the way? <laughs> no. And, and you don't in business, right? right? Like, right. Um, business is constantly changing malleable and the whole idea that it's all figured out is a non-starter. Which might be something you need coaching on. Right. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> just, just I saying. I sure did. <laughs> so the, um, and, and let me ask you this, because, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm, and I know roughly what our demographic is, and it's all over the place. Um, it's men, it's women, mm -hmm. it's different age groups and things like that. I have zero idea what people do for a living. Quite honestly, don't mm -hmm. care. Our followers on Instagram or who listen to us, what they do for a living. But if somebody, for instance, and, and what it sounds like is you deal with more of that, the higher level, you know, um, type of individuals in bigger business. But if to your point, if somebody comes to you and they're like, okay, they sit down with you for this hour phone call and, and you realize that maybe, um, it, you don't really fit with them completely or they don't fit with you completely. I'm guessing, but I'm just guessing, do you have like a, a network of people that you could say, Hey, go talk to Sally down the road or Dave over here or John. Yeah. Okay. And I, and new people, I like, I'd really love for you to talk to four other coaches okay. like, and like, I, you know, I want you to pick the coach who you relate to the most and who you feel like you have the most trust with. Um, and if that's me, fantastic. Right. right? If, if it's one of two or three other people, fantastic. Right. Like that is way more important to me. I mean, if it's really off kilter, um, you know, I won't even offer to coach them. I'll, I'll just say, well, good luck with that. And if you really are stuck with it, as you go forward, give me a call. Right. right? Whereas if I think we related to each other on the call, I'll say, I, I think we could work well together. What do you think? Okay. Uh, right. And then, but again, it's always the clients, it's the client's call every right. time. It's the same. Mm. It's, it's it sounds well, very much like sponsorship. <laughs> I, it it I is just going to say it, the same thing. There's parallels. 
right? And and like I'll often, you know, I'll challenge clients like about their thinking, about their belief system. But you know, if they want to stick with where they're at, that's fine. I'll I go elsewhere. I'm not like gonna. T- their view is their view. It doesn't make my view better than theirs. It just makes mine different. Um, and and same if you know if they're really struggling with something, but you can see a path forward. You know, I'll say, are you willing to commit to doing X? And it's up to them. Like to say, mm. no, I'm not. Okay. Sounds then, exactly like sponsorship. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so well, I'll say, well, what would you like to do about it? Mm-hmm. Like, right. It's most of the magic in coaching happens between sessions. Because I raise the issues, but it's really what you do between sessions and the kind of thinking, like, especially when I first worked with Coach Kevin, I tell you, some of his boot marks in my ass, I didn't feel for a good 24 or 48 hours. And then <laughs> the record, they hurt. <laughs> but he was very, you know, it's just, it just took a while for like it all to sink in and then to really, oh, shit. Right. Right. Well, and, and yeah, um, like Mike was just saying, and as you were explaining all this, honestly, Mike, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, eh, that, that, that does, you know, it's like, cause we, all of us want from the sobriety standpoint, all of us want people to, to get sober and stay sober. If that's what they choose, they may not want to follow mm-hmm. the path that we followed. You could get somebody that's, you know, going into a 12 step thing, but they have a little bit different sideline thought to what we do. So they're better, better mm-hmm. served over here than there. And that's why I asked that question about, uh, I figured, I mean, you've been around this thing long enough from the business side of things. I figured you'd have, you'd have a, you know, a network of people that you could say, okay, that I think this person could be able to help you. Or I like that fact of that's a great, in my opinion, from a business standpoint. And I've, I've always liked the idea is challenging people to interview other, other businesses or other coaches, whatever you do. Um, it, it gives people that freedom that, you know, number one, they don't feel pressured by it. And not everyone's going to say that to them, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone else out there is probably pressure. And they're like, you know, that David guy he gave me a little bit of space and they, it might bring somebody back to you also. You know, it's a it's a great way to, I think, handle yourself in life. But I think in a business standpoint that uh, that's got to play pretty well, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the software company that I joined is when I was still at university and was 22 years old. I mean, people would call us and say, you know, we have this technical problem. And oftentimes we would refer them to, well, we were friends with most of the other vendors in the space, but we'd say, well, you need to go to talk to Terry at at Omni so-and-so because they'll solve your problem. Like we don't have the right solutions to your problem. And I knew that if you had the problem that they were going to solve for you, eventually you would need our stuff anyway. So <laughs> you'd, right. you'd yeah. right. It's, it's like, it was a symptom of, of you having too much data for the computer system that you had and, and, but it's just how you want it, you know, where the pain point was showing up the most for you. Um, it's like right now you need their solution. And I'm pretty certain that it's going to cause a different pain point down the road and you'll probably come back to us. And, they would come back to us because like we didn't screw them around. We didn't try and sell them something they didn't right. need. We right. And, and same, we would send them a trial tape. I mean, this isn't Dave, like you'd send a physical thing so you could load mm-hmm. it on the computer <laughs> and we'd say uh, um, like, use it for 30 days or help us work through with you. Like your three most critical reports. And our, our thing was with something that could make them 10 times faster. And, and if, you know, we don't make them fast enough, then don't buy right. our product. Right. Like, um, 
And you know, if they weren't, and it wasn't a plug and play, like they had to do some work to, to get the benefits. So <laughs> if they weren't willing to play, then you also know they weren't a serious right. prospect or they weren't ready. Right. Right. Um, and so rather than pushing, it's like, well, when you're ready to actually engage with us and really solve this problem, like we're here for you. Um, and so we engendered this whole, um, you know, we were known in the community for being straight shooters mm -hmm. and of high integrity and not, you know, and selling really high quality stuff because we, we, we didn't, we always just tried to solve the problem for him or refer him to the person right. who could. And, and that reputation carried us like literally for more than for 20 plus years. Mm hmm. Um, or in the case of Alcoholics Anonymous, 88 years. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Seriously, I'm sitting here because this is not my world at all, but I'm sitting here listening to all this and going, this is the fucking right. program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when just, you're ready, when you're ready to do the work, we're here for you. <laughs> and, and instead of a big book, it's just I've got like a toolkit of either books or frameworks or, mm -hmm. you know, or, or people I can refer you to. Like, oh, right. you're really stuck with that problem? Hey, I, I know this person. You, you should talk to exactly. them and hire them because, like, I don't have that level of expertise in that particular niche that you're really right. stuck in. Mm -hmm. um, go work with them for a while. And and I probably am still coaching them through the whole thing because mm -hmm. um, they'll hire them for some very specialized thing and go solve that. And then I just check in with them. Is that going the way you think? Is the person as expert as you thought? Right. And and just helping manage expectations and making sure it's going well. Um, and uh, the way I usually structure it is uh, for one-on-one -on -one coaching, I uh, do two calls a month. One call a month can keep someone kind of at a good level and sustain them there. But if they want to change and grow, then you need two calls a month. Um, so two one-hour calls a month. So that's how I frame it and charge you a monthly fee for that. And I'm also available for emergency calls. I have five minute instant coaching um, to get you unstuck anytime that you're stuck, which I have had clients take advantage of. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool. Um, <laughs> so when and then my other the other practice area is I facilitate strategic planning. So that's for bigger companies or people with really high ambition. And, um, you know, we go off site for like two days to build an annual plan and then go off site one day a quarter and that's always with the entrepreneur and their senior leadership team so we're working the whole group is working together to build this plan and i have a particular framework that i think is the best in the world for high growth mid-tier companies that i specialize in and and use with these clients um and and there's the reason it's every quarter there's thinking behind all of the reasons for doing that way and if, if a client's not willing to commit to that to a year of that um, then I say, that's fine, but it's, you're not a, we're not a good fit. Right? <laughs> because so after the, a year, we'll kindly refund your misery. Right. right. Yes. So <laughs> exactly. So, um, so that's, and, and that's priced differently and, you know, kind of, it's still coaching. It's really much more facilitation, which is a kind of specialized form of sure. coaching. Well, uh, so. I, so those are the, my two principal like practice areas. And with the uh, what I was doing the promos this week, and when I uh, do the description and the promos for the episode clips, because I if again I know you've been following us, so you see that I, I do I do episode clips every day. You do, um, and I you will do. put <laughs> I have your your Instagram 
um, handle I'll put in there, and I also had your website address in there. Yep. You know, the the one thing obviously with the um, with Instagram is obviously the websites are not clickable in the description, but your website's on your Instagram page, if I'm not mistaken, correct? And you can DM me on Instagram, right. it, and I'll get yep. back to you. Right? And that's so, uh, and that's what I uh, what I always not... try to do is is make sure that um, any any contact information we have for people that we have on is in that in that description, you know. So it obviously it's not just in the Instagram post, but also if anyone's listening to this on any podcast that they look in the description, they're going to be able to see how to get a hold of you. Which once again, I mean, we enjoy obviously looking at the uh, you know everything that happened to people and how they got sober and the solution, as Mike had said to begin with. But you know, we also want to help people out. You know, if there's an opportunity for you to for us to you know help you push your business a little bit, why the hell not, right? <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it, and I appreciate all of the promos that you've been done or doing on Instagram as. As you've noticed, I've been trying to share those as yep. best I can. And what I'll what I'll do too, and what I usually do with the episode clips, I'll list you as a collaborator, and which will make it easier if you want. You can just if you accept that, it'll post it automatically on your page also. Um, so that yeah, that oh, gives good. you an opportunity. But um, I've gotten in a um, in a rhythm of sorts with how I post things, and to go all the way back to what you were talking about with our what we were talking about with our morning things, I post a reading every every morning on Instagram. And that's, that's now part of my, my process. And it's, um, you know, kind of like you said that, you know, you're, uh, the, I think your grand sponsor, you said that does all those readings to get some out to people. You know, I, I started doing mm-hmm. it years ago on another platform, but then, you know, I've been doing it on Instagram and, and seriously, that's part of, uh, I, I commit to doing that. That's the first post I do every single day, every single morning. And I get that post out there and I put it always a link to the book. Um, you know, cause we, we sell all the, all the Hazelden books. So I always put a link to what book it was in. Um, and that's, it's important mm-hmm. to me. And I've gotten a lot of, we get decent feedback, you know, from doing that people, a lot of, I yeah. enjoy, I, I, I've been reading, I won't say I've read everyone, but, um, the majority, um, like I read and they're, they're great. And you know, in the, and again, we're, we're limited a little bit with Instagram. It's, um, nine times out of 10. It's well, certainly not the entire reading. That's why I put a you know a clip mm-hmm. to where the book is. I mean, people don't yep. have to buy the book. They can they can look up any of these things online. I'm not not <laughs> trying to say that you know we're the only place where you can buy a Hazelden book, but we're kind of proud of the fact that we're a, we're an actually an authorized retailer for Hazelden. That was kind of as we say a big deal, right, Mike? <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, we're and let's not forget the dick yeah, jokes. And then, yeah, then uh, yeah, you see all those too, David. So yeah, we we mix in, we mix in. I was sharing them with my daughter-in-law just before, uh, just, just before our but call. That she makes said, me happy. So here, she said, David, you don't quite talk like how, us. How uh, how how old's your daughter? I said, yeah, but they're still really. How old's funny. your daughter-in-law? I'm just trying to see if this fits in within our our debt. Okay, so, and here's the weird part. And so I'm 54. Mike is 50. Are you 50? God damn, you six. are. I was going to say 56. I'm like, shit. Yeah, yeah so Mike's 56. But um, <laughs> our the majority on Instagram, um, like, God, I think it's 30% of our, it's almost 60% are female. That's number one. And then, which, again, blows both of our minds uh, with some of, the, some of the shit that I post. Um, but on top of that, it's, again, Instagram followers are between that 24 to, to 35, maybe 44 range, like 60% or within that range, which again, blows my mind. Now, our podcast is a little bit differently, at least from the, we, we only get true statistics from Spotify, 
but I think we've got a higher mm -hmm. um, listener base on, on the Apple side of things. I just haven't been able to draw the complete statistics, but that's the reason I asked what her age is in it. She's right in the middle of it, you know, which it blows mm -hmm. my mind when I, <laughs> why, why would a 26 year old female want to listen to this <laughs> or follow us on Instagram? But it's, it's, it's baffling, but it's fun. Well, in this case, it's because I'm her right. father. Right? No, I know. I know. And, and I'm going to be right. on, I know. I know. on your podcast. But. Yeah, but it's it's just it's just uh, weird. I mean, yeah, but I get it's just it. Absolutely I, weird. Yeah. But so we do. We we get a nice mix of stuff, and uh, we had uh, uh, Matt from another podcast, uh, Sober Friends podcast, on a couple weeks ago, and he said that uh, he said, well, he goes, your name. Um, the sober, not mature thing, he says, gives you guys quite a bit of leeway to, and he goes, people tend to, mm -hmm. tend to expect it. And, uh, he goes, you guys probably get away with more than if you had a different, you know, a different, you know, Instagram name. And I'm like, well, we didn't do that on purpose, but yeah, I guess it does fit well, you know? So <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it worked it out. It's, Program yeah, of honesty. Exactly. <laughs> it is, it is freaking honest. That's for damn sure. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but so David, I mean, it's been this has been a lot of fun. I mean, I, I've uh, intriguing on on all levels. I mean, um, I appreciate you obviously taking the time to come on. Before we wrap up, anything that that you'd like to share? Any wrap up thoughts? Anything at all that you either missed or want to stress on anything uh, before we wrap up? The uh, number one thing I I stress is you know if you're suffering today, there's a solution there's help and in my experience you can't do it alone perfect and we we feel that way too mike yep right mike <laughs> absolutely <laughs> okay so here i ask everyone this question have you listened through the <clears throat> entire episode to, to hear the ending of our episode yet david i did that one that i oh, okay listened so you to, listened to the whole mic okay cool yeah i, I listened the okay, whole way good. through well, you, you won't be surprised by this. We've had a few people that were literally surprised by the ending. But so Mike's Mike's going to close us out on this time for you and I to quiet up. And then, uh, Mike, run us on out of here. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Sober Not Mature. We want to thank Coach David for coming on and sharing his experience, strength, and hope. It was really cool. And uh, as always, be kind to each other. Be good to each other. Do something nice for somebody else this week. And now, kids, it is that time. It is time for you to fuck off. Then keep fucking off. Keep fucking off until you get to a gate with a sign on it saying, you cannot fuck off past here. Climb over that gate. Dream the impossible dream and keep fucking off forever. <laughs> <laughs> I, laugh, I laugh every time because I, I love it, number one. But it's, it's funny. We had uh, we had people that are approach us um, to, to be on here. And I tell them, same thing I mentioned to you. I'm like, have you listened? If you haven't, you need to. <laughs> um, that's number one. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, I said, and I'm just honest with people. I'm like, we're not necessarily for everyone. But um, the ending part of it, it's funny. Not everyone listens to that ending. But, um, yeah, we've we've been doing that for uh, quite a while now, and um, I sit back and I, I laugh to myself while he's doing this every time. So, <laughs> I absolutely love it. I'm trying to spread yeah, joy. You people. certainly are. You're spreading something. That's for damn sure. <laughs> all right, Mike. Mike. Uh, well, first of all, Coach David, thank you very very much for coming on. Um, we truly appreciate it, mm -hmm. Mike. I love you, brother, and uh, I will talk to you everyone you later. Have a good evening. Bye, everyone. Bye.
As always, thank you for listening to another episode of Sober, Not Mature. To access all of our content and interact with us, please visit our website, SoberNotMature.com. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you soon.